and welcome to the Creative Christians Chat Show. I'm Brendan Conboy, the dog in the pod. This show is bursting with creative stories, ideas and inspiration with a Christian perspective. So let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Creative Christians Chat Show. And once again, I've got another very special guest. All of my guests are very special. And please welcome to the show, Steve Bonnenberger, all the way from San Diego. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you, Brendan, for letting me be a part of your program and chat with you about things that matter to both of us. Yeah. It's a pleasure having you here. Now, one of the things I like to do uh, is is to list out the things that people do. Normally, I say this person's an author, a blogger, and and uh, something like that. But your list, I've never seen a list like it before. This it, it, it reads like this. I mean, it reads like the geniality of Jesus. It's, it, you are. You, I don't know if you are all of these things still, but it's, the list that I've got says you are a poet, an author, a writer, lecturer, speaker, futurist, novelist, essayist, counsellor, talk show host, filmmaker, and senior pastor. Former. <laughs> okay, that one. That one's former. I did wonder. <laughs> that is a list. <laughs> I'm old, Brendan. <laughs> but why so much? Well, it's just the, you know, I kind of use that as a ladder of, of all the things that my life has been about, you know, and not, all of those things have not run simultaneously. Yeah. They run, yeah, some of them in, in sequence, some of them out of sequence, some of them, but they all are still active, every single one of them. If, if we start to dissect them, take them apart, I still do every single one of those in some capacity except pastoring, although we can talk about ministry stuff, I hope we do, because I still do a lot of ministry stuff, just not in a paid kind of capacity like that in the past. Yeah, that ministry stuff should never end. And uh, but what, what amazes me is so much of this list that I've just read out, so much creativity in there. Well, the Lord is good. I've been doing this 45 five years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been doing it a long time as well my list is quite long as well <laughs> well there you go i mean if you start compiling stockpile and you know it's let me just say that it's not a i'm a humble man brendan i'm not a bragger or boaster god took and purged every instant ounce ounce and inch of pride out of me i'm just saying these are the things that my life has been about yeah and still is. Yeah. And you you enjoy sharing that with other people as well, don't you? I do. I, I, I love it. I have this friend who is just a dear, dear, delightful man. And he always talks about, you know, this, this, this sense of hiding. And he believes that you should, you know, kind of, not, again, not in a boastful way, but in a, an accurate way, talk about the, cur- the course and the concourse that your life has taken, because he says that's got value. And that's the reason I say those things, because all of those elements, every single element, if we were to spend the next 20 or 30 minutes breaking those down, I can tell you precisely what those are. In other words, 
what I'm suggesting to you, Brendan, is none of that is, fa I don't fabricate anything. You know, maybe there's a day when I, are those things could have been la labeled on me, but no, all of that is real. Yeah. All of that comes out of time spent with, uh, you know, in the trench, in the, in the wash cycle of doing the hard work. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. And 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 you're still doing it. Amen. And, and um, I love the way you sum up what you do. On your website, it says you are a big picture kind of guy. That says to me that you are a visionary. Have I got that right? Well, yeah, I, I think so. And, and futurist is, a, is kind of yeah. connected to those things, you know. And, you know, the vision for my life is, um, you know, to me, a vision is something that's, um, it's, it's limitless. In other words, it can never be achieved fully. That's a vision in my life uh, for me. And, um, and futurism is different than visionary. Yeah. But in terms of visionary, my vision has always been to, <clears throat> to mine and extract the things that God has put inside of me. And in order to do that, you have to, in my opinion, do the things that I have done over a long course of time. And perhaps we'll get into those kind of daily habits and perhaps we won't. But in order for you to have a vision for your life, I would just say to anyone that is listening, you, your principal vision should be to figure out what it is that God has put inside of you and to maximize all effort to extract every ounce of that while you have life and breath. That is great advice. That really is great advice. And so many people struggle to do that, though. So, so many. But so how, how do you help them do that? Well, you know, I won't. If, if we could start now talking about the work, because that's what matters now in this part of my life, Brendan, is not me, but the work. Okay, God has, and again, 45 years of composition and compilation, composition and compilation. So that topic would go around what, what is Genius Path, which is the only, uh, the only trademark uh, I've ever secured because it's such a big idea. Um, so genius path is this idea, this notion that suffering has value, Brendan, and suffering has value because it brings us to the place where that it's the, let me say it differently, the intent of suffering is to bring us to the place where that we stop relying on ourselves and other people, and then understand that God gifted intrinsically something inside of us, that it is our, our job, our mission, our call, to connect with that and then to, again, develop that, extract it, mine it, direct it, and for the sole purpose of benefiting human beings. Right. I was going to ask you about Genius Path. So is that a, a support mechanism, a support network, or how does it work? Well, so far it only works because I wrote the pieces, you know, and I've had some people go through the material, but, you know, my prayer is that it's someday... God will ignite a fire and build such a thing that you have talked about. But for now, it's just the uh, the writing that I and the composition that I've done on that on that topic. Okay, so it is uh, some 
guidance structure or uh -huh. yeah some lesson a lesson plan sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. okay sounds interesting because i meet people all the time that say i want to be more creative but i don't know how to go about doing it so well if they want to be creative i would recommend that they go to and purchase and again i'm not selling i'm just saying <laughs> that piece is called the writer's covenant composition and compilation and i always say to people Brendan, when they're stuck, when they don't know, when you're stuck and you don't know, it is that is a craft question. That means that you're you need to develop some element or you have a gap in craft. And so the writer's covenant is really a piece that helps people across spectrums deal with what it is that stimulates and encourages and then sparks the creative mechanisms that then create the genius if that makes play if that makes sense okay, yeah that's making sense yeah okay yeah sounds interesting really i'm, I'm gonna check it out please uh, you write books that look like to me they look like dystopian fantasy books is that am i well how would you well, describe them um yes I write dystopian books. I always tell people that the, the joy of being a novelist, a writer, is you get to kill people and blow stuff up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I do the same. <laughs> okay, so we're twins, you know? You know, why do you write? Well, I get to kill people and blow stuff up, you know? And so, yeah. yes, I write dystopian novels. Not always exclusively, because some of my stories are not necessarily dystopian, but... I would say if you if you have like this this meter, and here's zero and here's a hundred percent, the the ticker is going to be at the seventy five hundred RPMs always on me writing dystopian stuff. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. But it, it's it's uh, it's got a strong message as well, a strong Christian message, hasn't it? Well, yes, because what I say to people always is. Um, my writing is C.S. Lewis meets, um, you know, in, in Tom Clancy meets uh, <laughs> Patterson meets, you know, it is. It, it's C.S. Lewis meets Ray Bradbury. Okay, I'm a I'm a pretty traditional sci-fi writer. Um, I don't write fantasy work. I would love to be able to do that. I'm just not that gifted or that intelligent or that. Um, that you know imaginative i'm a science fiction guy i love science i read physics books i read defense department documents i read doctrine i read uh, <laughs> state department doctrine i read historical pieces that have to do with what caused civilizations to collapse i read how governments collapse uh, these are the things that are the essence of what uh, come together and collide in my head to then merge those with the great principles of scripture because in the end, everything I write, Brendan, is for the purpose of evangelism. It may not seem or appear that to anyone, but the purpose is, I, I'll say it differently. I say to people that modern day writers like myself, contemporary writers like myself, have to believe that there is a day coming when traditional scripture will be banned and outlawed 
and our work becomes scripture because it's still available. Yeah. And we have to write, if you will, in, in a metaphor, in code, in story, but the essence of those biblical stories, whenever someone will read my stuff, Brendan, they will always come back and say, well, there's a verse, and that makes me smile. <laughs> because, you know, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes say, it's not fair to know the scripture, you know, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've actually lifted whole scriptures and stuck them in a novel before. So. That's fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> done it in, in a very careful way so that it didn't sound like scripture to somebody that's not a Christian, but anybody reading it would say, well, I know where that's from. So, yeah, it's powerful when you do that. Uh, one of your books, um, Wingless Flight, I, I think I read a, a I think I was reading the description of it somewhere. It might have been on Amazon or something. And it is that the one where the, somebody stood on top of Mount Moriah? Yeah. When I read that, I, I thought this sounds like somebody that's about to end their life. Is, is that? Is, have I got that right? You're close. You're close. So Wingless Flight is the first piece, and now the stupid guy is going to come with the blower, and that's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> So Wingless Flight is the first piece of the Third Gates of Fire trilogy, okay? Wingless Flight, my definition of faith. Hovering presence, my definition of hope. Lifting breezes, my definition of love. And they are a, a weak homage to, to Lewis's uh, uh, Silent Planet, Paralandra, that hideous strength, Okay. So again, they're weak because I'm not, I don't have the brainiac skills that he did and the language skills, but Wingless Flight is the story of Flash Bastion. It's the introductory story of him where he gets, um, I'll just give you the pieces that he comes to a place where that his life falls apart. And he decides that the only way to rediscover life is to go to the place where the mountain where God gave and wrote the words in stone and he gets there and then he decides to take the leap of faith that Kierkegaard's famous leap of faith which is a definition of faith which is like taking a leap into the darkness backward and believing that God will be there to catch you right. so he takes the leap of faith and that's the story of how God rescues this guy who makes this foolish decision to jump off a mountain right was that written from personal experience or? I love when people ask that yeah. because the, the answer is sort of, but generally not. Um, as a writer, as you know, not everything is autobiographical. No. no. And so sometimes are there elements that have me in them maybe, but Flash Bastion is nothing like me. Let me say it differently. I am nothing like him. Yeah. Zero. He's but, a very, very different person for me. But, but quite often we, we build characters on um, elements of different people that we know. Right. Uh, I've done that. You know, I'll take a part of that person and a part of that Absolutely. person and merge them together and, and uh, see what comes out you know, and create a character out of two real people. Um, you know, and that isn't, I think all characters, let me say it differently. My belief is that most characters that we build our amalgams. I believe that to be the case. I do. Yeah. Yeah.
that I'd love to know what happens to uh, Flash, but uh, I'll have to read the book for that. Well, I? I can tell you if you want me to give you the, the, the spoiler alert. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers. Go well, here's, the, here's the essence. You ready? So he takes this leap into the darkness backwards, and then God sends a Samoom. You, you know what a Samoom is. It's this great desert storm. But God yeah, yeah. also sends millions of sparrows that come and create this nest. And the Samoom and the sparrows provide this miraculous lift, and they place him back on the perch from which he jumped. I love it. And you say you don't write fantasy. That's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that picture. Yeah. The first real story I ever wrote in my a novel I wrote, and it took me 20 years to write that piece. 20. 20 years. Yeah. So I say to people that are struggling, every you know, I would write two lines and cross out eight. I would write for two days and then wouldn't write for two months because I was just so disgusted with my inability. But, yeah. you know, God just kept giving me the story, uh, Brendan, and I just kept doing the best I could. So it took 20 years yeah. to do that tale. Wow. I, I, I've just said to somebody this week, uh, they asked me, uh, what do I do each day minimum? And I, and I said, uh, write four lines a day minimum. If, if we have a, a very easily attainable minimum target, writing four lines of anything, something, a day that's attainable for, for anybody and, and if we set that minimum target you know we're going to feel good just by reaching that minimum target and, and often you'll find we do a lot more than four well you know lewis used to when asked about his writing now think about how prolific lewis was yeah he said that he would you know writers write that's what we do and if you don't write you're not a writer okay you, yeah. you, you might be a thinker. You, you might do a lot of things, but right. dreamer. <laughs> okay. So Lewis would said that what he would do is he would sit in his chair and imagine in the old days with typewriters and those yeah. of us that used typewriters when we started in pencil and pad and those kind of things. And he said he would do what he would call just enough. And then he would say, just enough, get yeah. up and go about his day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you know, Four lines could be just enough. Just enough. Yeah. But, but people struggle because they think, they sit down and they think they, they have to write war and peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you happen. know, Brendan, and this is the reason the book on writing that I created is called Composition and Compilation. Because writers write. And if you don't have hundreds of uh, of tattered and unconnected disconnected thoughts you're not writing no. it is when you start to have those those pieces and i always think it's more like a montage that then from there you're able to you know to synthesize and start to compose that's the way i see it i don't think you know at least for me you know stories don't come compacted and you know, boxed in, in, a, in a container like a cereal. You know, they don't. They appear, and they don't appear in sequence. They don't, for me. Maybe for others they do. <laughs> no, but for they, me, they don't appear at all in sequence. There's, a, there's nothing linear about the process. 
what there is is compilation. I compose and then I compile and then I synthesize and put it together. Into sequence, yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm pretty much the same. Okay. Not entirely, but yeah, in some ways I do very similar. Good. Yeah. yeah. I do it with poetry a lot where uh, I'm writing a poem uh, and I get the end of the poem before the middle. Go. So I'm, oh, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah but up this, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit gives me stuff to write. And that's the me way too. the Holy Spirit speaks to me. It's like, this is going to be the end. And, and uh, this is, well, hang on, I'm still at the start. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. How did you start? It, it, what, what, did, what, what did you start creating first? Go on, I'm sorry to interrupt. You. Yeah, of all that list, I know that you've recently uh, wrote an epic poem, and so you said, yeah. now say that you're a poet, but where did yeah. you start with your, your writing or any other creativity? Well, you have to remember that writers, uh, I think, always start young. I started dabbling with stories when I was probably 12 or 13, but it was terrible stuff, okay? <laughs> I started dabbling with a journal by the time I was 15 or 20. By the time I was 25, I, I've kept a pretty concise journal every day of my life, sans half a dozen days a year that I have for 40 years been active with. Okay, so journaling is where, it, for me, it begins. Yeah. Again, if you're a writer and you don't write, I don't, I don't, you may be a thinker, you may be a dreamer, but writers write. Journaling is where it starts. But then you have to remember, uh, Brendan, I was a pastor for a long time. Yeah. And I was the weird guy that <laughs> actually believed in writing sermons out. Okay, I wrote every single syllable word, did my own research. That uh, is weird. Okay, I know, I know, strange, you know, there you have it, right? I didn't steal other people's, I'm not banging on preachers. I know they're busy and blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying I actually did the work. And so when you're a preacher, and I, I say this often to people, I, how many stories does a preacher tell in the course of a year? Well, I did, I, I, you know, I used to do, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, occasional. All, think of all the stuff we used to do in church that they don't do anymore. Well, every one of those, you have to have something. And I made it my business that I didn't often repeat, let's say it like that, material. Yeah. And, and, and there are lots of pastors like that. So the writing, if you will, if you have the root system of journaling, and then you have the kind of the first you know, bamboo shoots, let's use the bamboo forest. Oh, I like that, yeah. Okay, of sermons, and I, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand, who knows how many sermons? Wow. In a long time, you know? Yeah. Okay, and from those stories, yeah. you know, and now you're you're building these, these fingerlings out, you know, stories and analogies and metaphors and, you know, always seeking ways, Brendan, to be able to communicate clearly. Because the scripture says a word fitly spoken is received as an apple of gold and is setting a fine silver. I love that verse. Mm. So always searching for the fitly spoken part, right? And then out of that, then I I began to have these these messages that start to started to arrive about this character. I'm a character driven novelist. 
I'm not a plot-driven novelist. Right. It's a big difference. I yeah, they're a big difference. Yeah. I don't disdain or disparage those that I admire those that can do plots uh, as, as kind of the lead lever. Okay. I can't do that. I'm a character-driven guy. So God began to give me this character who became Flash Bastion. And that then blossomed into this entire kind of orchid field of storytelling that I've been on now for 25 years. It's interesting that you started with journaling, because I, I often say to people, have a go at journaling. Uh, and you just write down what, what, what's happening in your life. It's a good place to start. And, and when you, you, you've written enough of it, it can become a biography. Uh, have you ever done that with yours? Well, you know, people have asked me to write kind of a memoir kind of a thing, and I haven't done it thus far. I actually think it's a little bit self-absorbing, to be honest with you. Um, and so the, there may be a day in the future when I do, you know, I come back to Lewis, my hero, you know, Surprised by Joy. For those of you that want to read one of the greatest autobiographies ever written, go to Surprised by Joy by Lewis about himself. Yeah. Uh, do I think that that's possible that I could, you know, I, perhaps God will give me the energy to do that. I, I have written a biography. So Good for you. <laughs> it wasn't self-indulgent. It was, um, it's actually, uh, when you write your story, uh, nobody can deny your story. People might argue with scripture, you, you know, say, oh, no, no, yeah. that, can't, that can't be right. But nobody can deny your own story because it's your story. So uh, so I wrote the, the first book I wrote was my biography. Uh, it's been read all around the world and it, it has changed lives all around the world. That's what our lives do. Our lives, when they touch other people's lives, they change other people's lives well i admire you and forgive me for saying it the way i did i didn't mean it, it, it this is my <laughs> I didn't find it insulting <laughs> no good because it's my it's my opinion about myself not about your work sir yeah, yeah fair enough yeah i'd encourage you to write yours though so i should take that as a word <laughs> uh, we are running out of time oh. um, what else have we got we could talk about well, I'd love to talk about the great work I'm involved with now, which is Akhelema. Oh, yeah. What is that? Well, uh, we only have five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Akhelema is the great tale of my life. It is, again, moral obligation. If Three Gates of Fire were kind of the preliminary, the prescript of my novel and story building, Akhelema is like the it's the summit, it's the apex, okay? And I say that with humility, but hopefully as we grow older and grow more wise and become more skillful, we're better writers. I'm a thousand times better writer now than I was when I, when I wrote Through Gates of Fire, but Akhelema is this great story and we don't, uh, we got seven minutes, I can tell this quickly. <laughs> Acts 118, Acts 118 and following. Great, you and I are writers, okay? The Judas offs himself, right? So the apostles are confronted by the Sanhedrin. Now, this backstory I'm, I'm imagining and filling in, because all the scripture says is that the Sanhedrin come to the apostles, and the two groups come together, and they buy 
with the 30 pieces of silver, Akeldamba, the Valley of Blood and Sorrows, which becomes the potter's field where they bury Judas and other degenerates going forward. So I love that scene. Mm. Can you imagine the Sanhedrin with the 30 pieces of blood money coming to the apostles? You and I are writers. Mm. So that did, you know, that. So I just changed a couple of letters and made it Akil Diva <laughs> and created the place of blood and sorrows where none dwell, because that's really what the, the Semitic word means in the United States. And it's really an homage to two things. Volume one is. Volume one is an homage to. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Diamond the Size of the Rich, which is a story about a family that is blessed by owning a piece of property. In this case, a family is burdened and cursed because they are the owners of Akeldima. And then the sum of all fears, which is the great Tom Clancy work where he, he basically says that de detonates a de uh, nuclear device over the city of Washington, D.C., if you know that tale. Yeah. Um, so Akeldima is the story of the magical power of God when things don't go right for a country. That's volume one. Wow. Volume two is how do you live in a country that no longer exists and evil begins to penetrate? That is kingdom Kingdom Healers, Kingdom Builders is volume one. That's Kingdom uh, Volume Two, which is Kingdom uh, Healers. And Volume Three is Kingdom Travelers, which is Phobos, where it becomes this piece about how do you re inhabit a country that has been taken over by the very presence of evil. And the great piece of, of Lewis's, I've read, I, at one time I thought myself an expert on Lewis. I don't think that anymore because I'm old, but there was a day when I did. But Lewis said that hideous strength was the hardest piece he ever wrote because it's basically a, a description of evil incarnate. And really what I'm doing right now in Kingdom, in, in Kingdom Travelers is working through what evil, wading through the morass of evil with the intent of recreating goodness, if that makes sense. Okay, it sounds like end time stuff. Yeah, only only the times don't end. No, it's just it's like it's that great Tolkien piece where you know the age ended, but time didn't end. But that that manifestation of evil ended. Yeah, and that's really what what my novels were all about, which are that the uh, times don't end, just that manifestation of evil ends, and God's people then again can reestablish the kingdom. This sounds like great reading material. <laughs> You're listening to God's ears, my friend. I've been chatting to Steve Bonnenberger. Managed to get my name, my, my tongue around your name, Steve Bonnenberger. Where, where can people get hold of you? What's your website? Go to stevebonnenberger.com, Steve Bonnenberger, B-O-N-E-N-B-E-R-G-E, or stevebonnenberger.com. They can find me on Facebook. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, on you, YouTube. I mean, all those places. And we're about to unify all of our social messaging under Moments with Dr. Steve, because what we didn't talk about is the way out. I just finished my PhD. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Well, it'll be granted <laughs> this week. 
and it only took me 40 years to complete. I'm very slow. <laughs> <laughs> so was Tolkien. <laughs> what? Tolkien was slow, wasn't he? He said, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pray for you before we go. Sounds like there's a party going on in the background there. For, My wife. It's for the good. dog and the wife and the leaf blower. And... Yeah, you know, we, we live in a metropolitan place. Oh, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for Steve and for, for his life, his contribution to, to your kingdom through his life, Lord, the lives that he has touched through his life and the lives that he's going to continue to touch through all his all of his work. Lord, I pray now that you will continue to bless him and bless anybody that picks up these books and, and, and reads them. I pray for that your special blessing over that his family that I can hear in the background there, the dog and, and the leaf blower and the, his wife and whoever else might be there. Just thank you, Lord, that this is life and that you come into our lives. And I pray for anybody that might be listening to this now, Lord, that... Um, that they would be inspired by what we've been chatting about and they would go and start writing that journal or go and start doing something to be more creative and be uh, inspired by, by what we've talked about today. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creative Christians Chat Show. It's been great having you here with me today. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. I'm Brendan Conboy and you can find me at brendanconboy.co.uk where you can buy me a cup of coffee if you like to support me and my creative work. Follow me also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. For now though... God bless and goodbye.